And hello, and we're back again. We've uh, jumped into our Rogue Opinions time machine, and we've headed back 15 years. And again, we're back to review Doctor Who, and we're now on the second episode. And joining me today is my companion in time and space, Sean Campbell. How's it going, Sean? It's going really well, thank you. Excellent. And uh, this episode is titled The End of the World, second episode of the new generation or whatever people want to call this uh, incarnation of Doctor Who. And um, yeah, let's get let's get stuck in, shall we? You there, mate? Yep. Yeah. Okay, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, this, this episode pretty much picks up where episode one left off, doesn't it? Exactly. With uh, Rose running into the TARDIS, and then they start a conversation about where they're going to go. Yeah, I'd forgotten that, that it literally, it's, it's, it's as soon as episode one ends is where this one comes in. Literally, she runs inside the TARDIS, and it's like, right, where do you want to go? Yeah, no, I I uh, was caught off guard by that, actually. I thought it started at a, at a more random point, but yeah, literally where episode one left off, which is quite a cool way to go, really. Yeah, I liked it. And uh, they agree to go uh, 100 years into the future, but uh, I think the Doctor takes her there, but they don't get out of the TARDIS. He says, nah, that's boring. Let's go further. So they go 10,000 years into the future, which he says is the, the new Roman Empire. The new Roman Empire, yeah. They've got that to look forward to in 50,000 years. Yeah, I mean, well, we'll be long gone, so. Very luck. <laughs> Maybe time travel itself will be invented in the next 100 years. You never know. I'm hoping it'll be invented in the next 20 years for anyone remembering my uh, turn on kayfabe court. But that's another story altogether. Uh, yeah, but Rose still acts like she's a bit unimpressed. So uh, the doctor says, right, let's go five billion years into the future. That's a fair, fair flash forward, that is, isn't it? Five billion years. Five billion slash apple slash one or whatever it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't be bothered to remember all that. I was never, I was never going to get that right. <laughs> so it's, it's something along those lines. One thing I would yeah. like to say though, because uh, I think I've always like with Doctor Who is that I love how the the TARDIS controls all have a consistency to them, and even though you don't know what they do, they all feel like they're doing the same job each time. Like, yeah, you know, it just feels like he's running around pressing random things. It feels like he's like they're working in a sequence of events. Yeah, I mean, that was something started by uh, the original Doctor who said, you know, I've got to make it look like I'm actually working it or the, the kids will notice and they, they won't buy into it. So, uh, and he's right, to be fair, mm. because I were, I, when I was a kid, I noticed these things. You know what I mean, like the, that, the, that the green lever was almost like the handbrake and that was what would stop you, let you go. And... Yeah. So I think yeah. it was a good idea. Yeah, definitely. It, it makes it everything like it's working properly rather than just press a random button and stuff happens. So we're five billion years into the future and they land on a 
space station slash observation deck. And he, he tells her that um, this is literally the day the Earth ends, something like that, because the sun, the sun expands, doesn't it? Goes supernova. Yeah, it turns into a red giant or something like that. I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure on the signs of it. That's what actually happened. It will happen to our sun, but yeah, it'll pretty much uh, expand several times in size and swallow. I think the first four planets. Don't think it'll quite make it to Jupiter, but it'll uh, certainly take out Earth and Mars. So they reckon, anyway. I I like the idea of the National Trust protecting it as well yeah and yeah like they'd gravity... move the continents they'd move the continents yeah back to be like a classic earth it's, this is classic it's, earth <laughs> it's kind of like a believable in the sense of like like that's what's that's what an organization like that would do like billions of years in the future if they had the technology to do it like they would preserve historical planets yeah. and things like that we're not we're not getting the tourist trade we need to go back to classic earth <laughs> It's true, though, isn't it? to an extent you can imagine mm. that happening. And yeah, and it was being held back by a gravity field or something, but now the money's run out, he says. Yeah, so it's just being left to... Uh, uh, yeah. When they get approached by a, a blue steward alien, don't they? You ask, should you be here? And I think we see the first uh the f- our first appearance of the psychic paper i don't think we saw it in the last episode did we if i no, we didn't. remember first, correctly first, first use of the slightly psychic paper yeah, he, he shows it to us just says, look we're invited you see and this is my plus one and he, then he explains I, to rose which is also explaining to the audience um what the psychic paper is all about yeah i had a psychic paper so i had a kid that came with like the, with the sonic screwdriver one so at the bottom of the sonic screwdriver would write in like invisible ink and then when you shone the sonic screwdriver on it it would work like uv light and it would show you through oh it. that's really cool <laughs> they, they get their merch out don't they they get some good things good oh, things yeah. out with their merch but yeah it's a good it's a good concept and i think um in some episodes it doesn't always work for him i think there are some aliens and bad guys that do see through it but more often than not it's uh it's a great little get jail free card, isn't it? To, yeah, I think to... it's the Torchwood one. It's the first time it doesn't work. When you do like, uh, I think Rose is using it, and uh, he says like, we've had like psychic training. Can you tell yeah, us why? That, that's it. Yeah, that was a big deal at the time. I remember it was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like it says loads of spiel explaining how they can get into places and whatnot. So it, it's a good little. Uh, Sort of yeah, it's a good device. Moving device. Probably isn't talk it? his way into it, but it would just be a waste of time in episode of thing. You know, you can do it. So there's the thing. Cool. And uh, as we move into the the main room, we get to see a plethora of guests and different aliens. I don't know if you can remember them all better than me. I, I can. I think some oh. of the memes, wasn't it? The um, there was another name attached to them. There was like a blue alien. Can't remember his that name. A little squat wild. thing. Uh, the face of Bo, he's in it. That's the reason. Yeah, type. and we'll uh, we'll see the face of Bo uh, a few more times as uh, Doctor Who progresses. And, Technically, uh, a lot more times if you if there's a if it, if the thing with Captain Jack. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll go into it's, that. It's, uh, it's possibly the first appearance of Captain Jack as well, but we'll get we'll get <laughs> we'll get we'll get to that when we get there. 
Um, and um, I thought lady... I thought they the costumes held up reasonably well for for a fifteen year old show or whatever it is. Like, yeah, no, it's no, not not too bad at all. Particularly the trees. Like uh, I thought, I mean, which is probably wise because they're the ones you spent the most time with. So yeah, yeah, I was going to get to them. Maybe the the tree people. I think they had a a bit more of a name again. I don't know how to spell these things, so I don't bother writing them down. But um, we also see she was called Jade. I know, like she's the one yeah, you spend the most yeah. time with. But... I meant more there, the sort of race name. But yeah, and then we also saw um, Lady Cassandra. The last living human, although she doesn't look very human, does she? Do you want to explain what she is, Sean? But Cassandra is just like, uh, well, Rose is like, I mean, I'm jumping ahead a bit, but Rose is a great line to describe her. She's a bitchy trampoline, as Rose calls her. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> flat piece of skin held in a rectangular, like, metal structure. Yeah, like a frame, basically. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, she was inspired. I think it was like Russell T. Davis. The beat of some fashion store. He'd seen some fashion show, and he thought that they were all like they were all like so skinny to the point where they like they just looked unhealthy. Yeah, was his summation of it, and that was sort of where he got that idea of a of like sort of plastic surgery taken to the most extreme end of it. I mean, it's not unfeasible that that could actually happen. I mean, these, well, women and men these days will do basically anything to try and make themselves look more attractive, won't they? Well, I guess, yeah, it's like, it's just that thing of like a, a sort of everyday quote marks thing dialed up to 11. Of like, what would like what would the extreme of the future? And it, it works. It, it's fun. It, you know, it's fun. It's uh, it's daft, but it, it is fun. I think her brain's in like a jar underneath yeah. underneath her skin or something, isn't it? And she has to be moisturised every so often. She's got two like henchmen with uh, sprays that spray her with moisturiser to keep her to keep her yeah, sort I of mean, supple and whatnot, suffer from drying what, out. I just want to say as well that Rose's um, believability continues through this episode like she's very taken aback by all of it she's yeah. like all the aliens are very alien because it's like it's one thing to see the doctor and have him tell you he's an alien but he looks human yeah i mean but like exactly. it's another to see like you see like a small like little blue guy and then the blue steward and then the face of Bo and all of these like yeah like, it, it very alien aliens take some uh, taking in wasn't it let's face it and they have to exchange gifts don't they and the doctor hasn't got anything, so I don't know if he just thinks this up on the fly. Uh, the air from my lungs, which is quite good for the uh, the tree, the tree oh, yeah. woman. I'd probably appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> but then it's better than that blue little ladies, because I'll give you my saliva. And he spits, <laughs> spits on, spits on rose. But uh, the important thing is the gifts. The uh, some, oh, I want to remember their proper name, but the 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 means, which is like four, three or four black robed. The creatures repeated means that, like that. that yeah that sounds about right they give them uh, some um sort of metal spheres basically don't they probably the size a, of cricket balls gift of peace in all gifts of, yeah yeah and they even thaws one onto the steward who's oh no i'm just a steward i'm i'm not a guest and they persist doesn't they a gift of peace in all good faith so he kind of feels like he has to um take them and now black um, black hooded 
creatures um, forcing gifts on you. That's not creepy or worrying at all, is it? Nah, of course not. <laughs> it plays Just into it later, in fairness. Perfectly, perfectly normal behaviour. And um, Lady Cassandra, she, this bit makes me laugh, uh, she got her, her uh, gift as the last remaining ostrich egg, and she's also bought, brought another gift. What her archives tell her is an iPod, but it's actually a, a 1950s jukebox. Yeah. <laughs> Which is quite funny that they did get that mixed up, but uh, and um, it plays a song, doesn't it? Tainted Love Plays, which is one of my favourite tracks. It's a great song. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Good, good beat. Nice, nice little bit of uh, music on on the show. Contemporary music. I misremembered this as well when they were um, when we before watching this episode. I thought it was going to be. I thought it was Sweet Dreams by the Rhythmics for whatever reason. But it's not. It's Tainted Love. Hmm. I don't know why. I just I thought going maybe. Could be the confusion that uh, Marilyn Manson's covered both songs, perhaps. Maybe. That's where I come from. But, yeah, um, yeah um, we also get to a bit where the Jade, the tree woman, she's um, intrigued by the Doctor, so she scans him with some sort of uh, futuristic scanning device. And, Literally um, just called the metal machine. Yeah, well, that's what she calls it. Um, yeah. it, it but um, yeah, it takes a while to uh, identify the, the doctor's species, and she's pretty shocked by the outcome. And uh, she's like, "Impossible! It can't be." Which we're, which comes into play a bit later on, and it's uh, a bit of a thread that runs through the series, isn't it? When we when we get to it, so the Doctor's origins and uh, yeah, I mean, we'll probably cover all that near the end. Yeah, when he, when yeah. he talks about it himself, probably, but that's why I'm being a bit vague, being a bit vague here. Um, as they're exploring, uh, they run into like a, a blue maintenance alien, don't they? And Rose yeah, is shut because she needs a she needs a break. Mm. And uh, Rosie shut they still have plumbers and the alien quips. Well, I hope so, as I'd be at the job. Yeah, it's a nice little exchange. I quite like it. It's one of my favorite scenes in the episode. Very, yeah, I mean, it shows that she's very different looking as blue and alien, but still very much, um, for, you know, friendly and approachable. Yeah, it's a nice, I think it's a nice little moment for Rose as well, just shows her. Just shows that she's quite nice, but then like it brings out like doubts about the doctor and things like that. And it was added as a last yeah, week. yeah. That that was a bit, wasn't she? She was when she was like, "Why have I just gone travelling with a complete stranger?" And suddenly starts to to question herself, doesn't she? Thank <laughs> God, what am I doing? <laughs> it's a fair question, <laughs> but it's also the other scene between Rose and Raffalo. As the aliens called was a last minute addition. Oh right! Like they'd wrote, so they'd well at least so. I, so I've read, well, I've looked it up. Uh, you know, take it with the with the pinch of salt. But what I was reading up on the episode, uh, someone had mentioned that it was it was added because the show was under running a little bit, and so just yeah, to no. get forty five minute pie, it had um, added in. That, and I'm glad they did it because happen. I thought it was a, a likable. I thought it was quite a nice little scene. That does that does happen. They'll film the episode, edit together, and and realise they've come up a bit. 
a bit too short. I mean, it's a few seconds, they probably don't mind, but it's a few minutes, and it does sometimes help the episode. They can they can put in a bit like that, which gives you a bit of character development, and uh, it also helps move the plot forward because as she's looking through the the grid, we see the um, she sees a little metal spider type thing is the best way to describe it and she's like "Ooh, what are you doing here at first she's not too concerned about it but then uh one another one shows up and another one <laughs> and there's quite a lot I think, and i think it's kind of implied that the um like the ship's computer can sort of make up new upgrades on the fly because she doesn't mm. seem too startled by it at first it was like oh if you're an upgrade it's fine i just need to register I don't know, maybe I'm overthinking it, but... Yeah, no, no, that's probably right, but no, there's quite a lot of them, and they, they drag her in into the vent, don't they? Uh, we assume to uh, to do her in. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it more later with another character, but some side characters die, and they're likeable side characters, but I do think it was a good decision to kill them off, because... And like it, it adds stakes to the episodes because it's like, well, even if you don't believe that the Doctor and Rose are going to be killed, like the the side characters who they're going along with are definitely on the table. So. Yeah, I was I was I was going to say you you need stakes. I know it's aimed at kids, but you you know you've got to you've got to have stakes, and you've got to have people getting injured or. But even then, like um, they're being injured, they're being injured. Kids, kids aren't stupid. If you know what I mean, and kids will catch on. Like if there's if there's like no danger, then exactly, exactly. I think um, it's a big danger with a show like this is if you underestimate, like, if you underestimate, it sounds definitely like the intelligence of kids. I don't mean in the terms of, like, you know, not, not geniuses, but, like, in the terms of, like, they're not complete idiots who'll just accept anything you put in front of them either. I mean, like, they'll realise something's bad, and if it has no stakes or something like that, that's realism worth watching. No, exactly. Um, they're, on the, they're on the ball, kids, especially these days. They know what's going on. Um we also see a bit of a scene where the, the steward's in his office on the phone and we see one of the uh, little spider creatures hatch out, for lack of a better term, of one of those spheres. So we know that's where they've come from. They're not meant to be there. Yeah. And it sort of yeah. roams around his office and he's because uh, he's distracted on his computer or something. He's uh, completely oblivious, isn't he? It's true, yeah. I mean, have we... Have we missed a scene? Do, do the Doctor and Rose have a bit of dialogue before that? Uh, I've got that. Now? I've got that next. All right, no, he's a, yeah. defensive. Oh no, because it cuts back to the steward after that, doesn't it? Yeah, sorry. So uh, then, yeah, as you say, we get a good bit of um, dialogue between Rose and and the Doctor in um, a bit of a hallway or whatever it is, looking out at the Earth, and um, Rose asks, "How come they all speak English?" Which is a good question, and you would think, you know. I'm surrounded by all these different species, and they're all speaking English. You're not even, not even French or anything. Um, it's it's another sort of like, it's a kind of sci-fi, general sci-fi criticism that just sort of has to exist because otherwise you wouldn't be able to understand all of the dialogue. Yeah, and you don't. But they actually have a nice answer for it in this episode. Yeah, and again, like the um, psychic paper and sonic screwdriver, it's a good little plot device, a good little cheat that makes that makes sense as well, but um, you know, helps you understand these things without too much uh, explain, you know, there's too much need for explaining and uh, di- you know, uh, dialogue. 
Um, yeah, he says it's a TARDIS. It, it gets into your head and it translates all the different languages for you. And this I mean, um, startles Rose, doesn't it? She's not too happy about the idea of something probing in her mind about her position. Yeah. Which I think is it would fair, be. Which is a hot, yeah. it's, a, it's a fair point. I can understand that you could have asked. And I think this episode goes a long way of showing like the sort of alien this of the doctor like he doesn't really you see you see it a little bit in the first episode when he's like like he doesn't really comprehend that Millie's death would annoy uh, Rose but in this one you also like like it, it takes it to the destruction of our planet and just doesn't really think that that would like be in any way like a shock or something that you might need a second to like digest or like he just sort of goes with it yeah it's uh, obviously it shows like his you know, alien tendencies. He's he's been around humans and he knows them to an extent, but he's he's not as human as perhaps he likes to think he is, and perhaps he doesn't know the human race as as well as he like to think he does. Yeah, I always think the Doctor's sort of quirkiness characteristics come from him, like trying to be human but trying yeah. too hard. <laughs> so like he sort of exaggerates it, and that's where the goofiness comes from. Not that the goofiness is a bad thing. But... But they have a little bit of a, a little bit of a fall in out, which doesn't last. Uh, Rose... Just for the record, as well, quickly, when I was a kid, I loved the TARDIS translation stuff because it made me feel like I was included in it. Yeah, it made me sound like the biggest dog as a kid in the world. But yeah, like, genuinely, when I was a kid, oh, it was great because it I never made me feel like, like I was involved in the adventure in some way. I never looked at it like that, but yeah, that's uh, that is a good good way of looking at it, definitely. Um, and then Rose tries to rig. Uh, um, a mum on a phone says, oh, out of range, I guess. And it says, oh, well, I can sort that out. So he gives it a zap with his um, sonic screwdriver. And um, Rose actually manages to ring her mum five billion years in the future. And Rose is pretty amazed by that. And I love the, little, the doctor's little quip, which says, if you think that's amazing, you, you should see the bell. Yeah. <laughs> I've always... I've, I've always loved this as well, but I've always wondered how it works. If you know what I mean, like, how does it know which, like, which time could you end up calling up? Looks like if she called her again, could she end up calling her before the first call? No idea. I think, like, the, the best solution I could come up with is like, you know, you put an area code in when you do like a, yeah. you do a phone call. Do you have to put like a time code in as well? Yeah, it could if, be if something you call like that. Time, sir. <laughs> I think you, I mean, you, you have a tendency. Yeah, I was going to say you, you seem to have this tendency to. Uh, well, simple-minded people like me just just accepts it. <laughs> but um, I was just as well. Uh, this scene was—it's got the first mention of Rose's me. I can't, I've never known what her name is. It's either Shireen or Shanine. It's one of them, but she's mentioned a couple of times. She'll be mentioned again in Aliens of London because Rose says that's where she stayed when she thinks she's only been gone for twelve hours. Uh, uh, she's mentioned in. Uh, it's called a school reunion uh, when she's having an argument with Sarah Jane like she comes up a couple of times and as much as it's a little a little detail I like continuity like this because it makes Rose feel like more of a real person who has real friends <laughs> yeah no it's good because they sometimes the writers forget things like that and the names will change slightly or or they'll they'll forget about that that one and because we've not been an on-screen character and give her a new friend so yeah as you say it is good that they they keep the continuity with that uh with that friend and that is you know we talk about being the kids that's the type of detail a kid would notice i mean i noticed it when i was a kid 
But that's the yeah, sort of it's the sort of thing I've always in. noticed as well. Like when the character, like they do it on soaps more than these sort of programs, but when they sort of suddenly change the actor for a character, don't they? <laughs> you think, hang on, that's not so and so. Yeah. Um, but then out of nowhere, the the station shakes, doesn't it? And everyone's a bit like, oh, oh, is this is this meant to happen? What's going on? And I think then and the doctor said it with a big smile, of course. <laughs> yeah, uh, he likes it when things go wrong for some deranged reason. And yeah, as you say, we cut back to the steward's office and uh, we see the spiders um, and they deactivate the sun filter in his office, don't they? So uh, there's obviously a filter there on the windows that stops the harmful rays of the sun penetrating through. And with that gun, he, uh, he burns to a crisp. It's quite a grim death, I've always thought for again for a show aimed aimed at all the family, but you know, kids is part of it. Like it's <laughs> like just the melts alive through the sun's rays. Like. <laughs> yeah. And also this yeah. I always was thought it... as well, like it was a really like why is the why can the sun filter be turned off with one button? Like the well, like the the really important life saving technology can just be switched off like that. <laughs> is that how they did it, or didn't they just get into the mainframe and you know, but no, the spider pushed stuff. a button and then the sun ah, filter started right. to go down. I mean, they probably did hack or something like that. I'm just being silly with it, but I wish just to think it was funny. Well, uh, like, you know, perhaps if you, the difference you between life and long, death is just could... the press of a button. Like, imagine if you just leaned on it by mistake and then. Well, <laughs> yeah, perhaps you should write an episode and uh, you can make it like a five hour program where they have to yeah where everything's everything see how long you keep your audience <laughs> That's no I'm i do i do i do, see, I do you know i do see your point yeah that's some uh, you know you're not really going to want to move if that's disastrous consequences uh because i'm the sort of idiot that would accidentally press that button and in my panic forget how i turn it back on when I go to save over a save in a video game, it asks me if I'm sure I want to do it. Never mind, turn off the life-saving shield in my office. But I'm is, just being it, silly. Not when it does ask you to, if you want to save over it, you start to panic and think, do I really want do to I? save over this save? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, what am I doing? But, uh, yeah, anyway, that's the end of The, the Steward, unfortunately. Uh, we have that conversation where Rose talks to Lady Cassandra and she's quite prejudiced, isn't she? She's like, well, I'm the last pure human. All the others mingled. Yeah, I mean, sadly, you know, it's sentiments that do exist today, obviously, with different arguments. But mm. you'd like to hope in five billion years in the future that would have sort of been edged out. But perhaps prejudice is ingrained in us and will always be uh, a little bit like that. Who who knows? Hooray! Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's when uh, Rose gives the quip, which you mentioned near the start of the show, um, that, yeah, you're just uh, a bit of skin stretched, you know, a trampoline with lipstick or something. A isn't bitchy it? trampoline. So, yeah. I thought it, I forgot that line, but I actually laughed out loud. It I, is heard fun, it yeah. I was watching the episode. I did actually. It's a, it's a good line, delivered well. To be fair, also um, worth noting as well that the um, I think the mocks of Balhoon when it's cutting, like just it's just the camera just panning along. He says the first, uh, like the first bad wolf reference. Yeah, that's uh, another little thread that um, 
we'll get to towards the end of the series. It's quite good, you know. It's not they are standalone episodes, but they've been clever in the way they've kept these little uh, little arcs and threads that, if you paid attention, go through the series. Yeah, I, I always loved stuff like this as well. Like watching them growing up, I loved the little like it was Bad Wolf, and then it was Torchwood, and then it was the the, the Harold Saxon stuff, and then yeah, yeah, like oh. it, I I just loved keeping an eye out for them and seeing if I could spot them, and yeah, working out what they were going to be and who they were. A lot of people worked out the the Harold Saxton stuff. We, we won't go too far into that, but. It, you know, not everyone bought into it because it was quite convoluted, wasn't it? How you got there, but it did it did turn out to be right. But we'll we'll leave that one for now. And then we cut yeah. to some scenes with uh, the tree woman and and the doctor. I think they're investigating what's going wrong and walking down what must be like maintenance corridors because you can see exposed wires and and everything all, all over the shop. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> corridors. And. Um, as they get to the bit he wants to sort of fiddle with and fix with his uh, sonic screwdriver, she sort of tells him about, you know, I scanned you with, as what you said, my metal device. And um, at first I couldn't believe what it told me. It couldn't be right. But she says, of course, it is right. And you shouldn't exist. Again, hinting at her. Which, I mean, I'll ask you that, like, because you, you'd seen the classic series. I mean, parts of it anyway. At least you, you mean you knew about it. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't know anything about this. So, like, to me, when I started watching Doctor Who, the, the end of the episode, when I took you, these are last of the time, like, that's just always how I'd known it. But that definitely had not been the case for all of Doctor Who's history prior to that episode, basically. had it Like, he was very much part of a... He was an outcast who'd been chucked out by his own race, basically, wasn't it? Yeah, more or less. I mean, I think it was more the second Doctor that they really explored Gallifrey and, and the Time Lords. And, yeah, this very powerful race that somehow got control over time and time and space, even more so than jumping around in a, in a TARDIS time machine. And there's quite a moving moment where... Uh, Jade, the tree lady, puts her hand on Doctor's arm, and she's, you know, she says, "I'm so sorry for your laughs." I think it's the only, it's one of the only times you see the ninth Doctor cry as well. I think. Yeah. yeah. And uh, this, you know, all this part of the story comes more prominent at the end of the season, and also halfway through the season in the episode Dalek, which is probably one of my favourite episodes of all all time. That. That Dalek episode. So oh yeah, I'm looking forward to to get into that one. I'd agree with that. I very much look forward to it. Um, so I think doesn't Rose get captured at some point by the by the thingy memes people? Yeah, they just strip knock her out. I always thought it was a bit random that they'd just knocked her out, but it actually makes sense because you find out that working for Cassandra and she, Rose had just had a big argument with Cassandra, yeah. so it would actually make sense that she would send them after Rose. Um, they chuck her into a, a room, don't they? Uh, it's good they never kill people straight away on the, these shows. They, they put you in a trap instead, so you got time to, to escape yeah. if you can. It's like the bad guy monologue as well, isn't it? <laughs> Give them time to solve the... Um, the crisis rather than just straight up doing their evil plan. Yeah, uh, I think the Doctor, the Tree Lady, they 
they do come across one of those robot spiders, don't they? And uh, I think he um, zaps it with his uh, screwdriver, doesn't he? Well, she uses her, um, like, vines or lianas, I think they're called, uh, to grab it. And bring ah, it that's down. it. That's it. Because she's like, I'm not supposed to show them in public. And then he's like, I won't tell anyone. <laughs> So uh, yeah, lurting and romance between the two. <laughs> and then we get another another song on the jukebox, Britney Spears' "Toxic," which I think might have been the, released the year before this, uh, two thousand four. But it's uh, another thing I'd found. I'd found. Another thing I'd found when researching this episode was apparently that that had never had a vinyl uh, to at that point made of it. Ah, right. And I think they actually had to make a vinyl oh, right. uh, to put in it. I mean, I say make a vinyl, obviously, like they probably just had to write on a disc Britney Spears. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because they, 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 they don't ever actually have to play it on a vinyl, but yeah, I'm pretty sure. That's not surprising. The vinyl was, was out of fashion back then and it hadn't made its comeback, which it has done has done lately, hasn't it? It's uh, got a bit of a renaissance, the uh, new vinyl. Nice oh, definitely. I like the idea of one, but it would just be like, where would you put it? You know I mean? I've got, I've got, I've started collecting them again. They're they're pretty cool. But yeah. anyway, we let's digress back to the yeah. the episode. We see uh, we see Rose in danger, trapped in trapped in the room of that pesky sun filter uh, descending. And then the doctor has to go and save that, which yeah, is like a, a bit of messing on with the computer. You can't open the door, can he? The best you can do is uh, make the make the uh, make sense filter the again, probably just it? welded shut, basically. Mm. By I like that rose lay on the ground as well. It's a little detail, but it's just like she's smart. She went to the lowest part of the room and lay mm. down to give herself the longest possible time to survive. Yeah, he sort of says the uh, the computer's fighting back. I can't open the door, so he sort of says, "I'll be back," and he runs off, doesn't he? And um, we get to a point where he's in the room, and he's uh, a bit like a, a bit like a sort of murder mystery sort of thing, where he's going to expose who's behind all the shenanigans. <laughs> and I like the. Um, I think it's a good scene. Well, like it, it's revealed to be. Yeah. To be the appearance of the repeated mean, but then like. As you said at the start of the episode, like, oh, you know, that's not suspicious at all. But then it, it's, it's like a kind of double twist that like it's. Yeah, like a bit of a red herring. It's supposed to be obviously them because that's why they, they were designed to look very evil and suspicious because they were a decoy. Yeah. Even and, though it's uh, probably, even though it's pretty obvious watching the episode that Cassandra's also a villain. But, you know, still, it's a, I appreciate yeah. the effort. <laughs> yeah, it runs to them first, but he exposes them as just robots, and then it uh, eventually runs to Lady Cassandra, and she's like, "Oh well, yes." <laughs> and her, her plan was to um, sue for a hostage situation. She makes herself for money because these nips and tucks don't pay for themselves. Yeah, uh, he says five billion years, and still comes out in the money. Exactly, and then she said, "But this will this will work because if you all die, I've got shares in all your rival companies, which will triple overnight." Yeah, again, it's a believable villain. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, what's more scary than a piece of stretched skin? <laughs> it is so good on um, Also, it's probably the question, you know, um, oh, I forget her name, but the woman who voiced Cassandra did a very good job of it. Mm. Uh, they do something... Imelda something who, who does her voice. Imelda I don't know, Stanton. she's in My Family, if you've ever seen that. Yeah, I think it's Imelda Stanton or something something like that. I could be looking up, but yeah. Um, anyway, she teleports they, away, though, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, and she's done something to the, the force field, so she, and she quips, oh, well, at least your deaths will be quick, like my third or fifth husband. And, oh, I'll tell you all, well, that's a bit of an in-joke for us adults there. Hopefully uh, the kids won't get that one. Yeah. There's a few of those in this in the season, and, like you wouldn't mm. get as a kid watching, but uh, <laughs> you could go back and rewatch them. So anyway. I mean, they do it everything, though. Like, Disney's littered with them. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how you can watch these programs when you're a kid and not, not notice these things at all. And then when you rewatch it for whatever reason as an adult, you think, ha, 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 never, never got that when I was nine or, or whatever. And Zoe Wanamaker is... Uh, ah, that's the one. Yeah, the, sorry, uh, got the wrong, wrong person. Well, well done, uh, well done, Sean. Yeah, I know. Her mo- I know her mostly as the as Madame Hooch from Harry Potter. I know from the put upon wife and mum from. Uh, is it my family? Was it? Was it? Yeah, called? I remember watching that show years ago. Was it good? I remember liking quite, it when I saw it. It was quite but, funny the first the first couple of series, but it you know like these things do it went on a bit long and fell off a cliff. But anyway, not really in it. But let's not go. <laughs> the, the, the tree lady and the, the doctor go to um, to find out what they can do and uh, switch the force field back on. And wouldn't you know it, the switch is behind some massive turbines, isn't it? Which is pretty much Doctor Sci-Fi sort of staple, isn't it? The the button to save you is in the most uh, awkward place to get to. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Actually, I've never noticed it as well, but it is. You know, why don't why aren't these things made easier? You can like switch a... off the sun filter with one button, but you can't reboot the computer. So <laughs> yeah. Three skins that will decapitate you. Yeah. Um, the tree lady has to hold down a lever for him, but it's getting that hot. And the doctor's like, "But you, it's getting too hot. You're made of wood. You'll you'll burn." She insists on doing it, and uh, she oh, holds it down. Time, time Lord. Yes, <laughs> that's a good line, isn't it? Yeah. Not the, so she... uh, the first time. It's not the first time you hear Time Lord because the nesting consciousness sort of mutters it at one point during the big confrontation between them in the first episode, but it's the first time it's directly said without any like ambiguity. ambiguity. Yeah. Well, like, ambig- ambiguity, easy for me to say. <laughs> Then anyway, she holds it down for so for so long. The doctor get manages to navigate his way through uh, several of these big turbines, but uh, unfortunately, yeah, she uh, she burns to a crisp, and they go go at full speed. So the doctor's got to navigate another two or three who have to go at full speed, don't they? It's quite yeah, clever. Yeah, I always. <laughs> I'll not lie, I always thought the end of this episode was a little key. Like, 
Well, he's an alien. You know, he's an alien. He's not human. He might perceive time in a, a different way to us. So perhaps they're not going quite as fast to him as they do to us, or he's got a better I mean, sense of timing. But he he manages maybe. to. And he is slightly psychic as well. Like that's just mm. that's established later on that he can sort of like read people's minds and things like that. So maybe that plays into it. But I don't know. I just thought it was a little. But like, not um, like, certainly not episode breaking or anything like that, but just a bit, just a little too cheap. I mean, you'll, you'll accept anti-plastic, which I had a problem with, but navigating an alien navigating through time uh, from t- through turbines, that's where you're drawing yeah, the line. Yeah, the line there. <laughs> but anyway, he does make it, needless to say, he does make it to the end and uh, get everything back into to work in order. Um, now, does he... Does he Bring Lady Cassandra back first, or does he go and save Rose first? I can't remember the order Rose of things that, that happen there. Because Rose is there. Yeah, and uh, it's getting he quite won't... dicey for her, isn't it? She's sort of huddled in a corner and dodging these beams of light as they uh, break through the the descending filter. Yeah, the Mox Balloon dies, gets killed by the rays of the sun. Yeah. Um, Rip. So, anyway. I mean, need, needless to say, uh, despite being in peril, um, the Doctor saves Rose. And, um, yeah, they bring back um, bring back Lady Lady Cassandra through the transporter, but without a, without a henchman. And it's still pretty warm, so um, as it's he's accosting. Quite, quite a good little scene as well of the Doctor, like, working things out and explaining them. Yeah. And how he sort of punishes his people, because even though she's, you know, she's responsible for, you know, trying to kill Rose and, you know, everybody on the space station, Rose is still pretty shocked that the Doctor doesn't try and save her, isn't she? She, I think she says, uh, you aren't going to save her or something. And she's, uh, well, she says help her. That's he it. Straight up says no. Uh, he it sort is, of lets her oh. dry out. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's it quite... Is. It's, tra- say, it's sort of traditional that the hero, you know, like, like is like, oh, well, you know, we're better than you, you know, blah, blah, blah. But he just straight up says, no, you're just going to die. Yeah, and uh, Peter Capaldi showed a bit of this in his Doctor and got a lot of stick for it, didn't he? But this this didn't seem to um, cause the same enrangement. I don't I don't know if Twitter was around in 2005, so nah. uh, you could get I away mean, with more stuff. <laughs> I think it's also because it plays into a character arc as well that resolves itself in Dalek. So I think that's probably a bit more why people are a bit more forgiving of it because Capaldi's Doctor just sort of did it because just just because. Yeah. But there's an actual like it's established in Dalek as an actual character reason why he's a bit more cruel, and we'll talk about that when we get to it. But but yeah, um, she basically. Uh, it explodes, but if you're a, a fan of Doctor Who and watch the the next seasons, we know this isn't the last time we will see uh, Lady Cassandra. Absolutely. Um, and then yeah, we get. Uh, do they go? Do they go back on Earth before he explains about? You know, he finally yeah, opens up to Rose about. Yeah, he sort of opens up to Rose about. Um, his, you know, he's been the last of his race, basically, and uh, mentions there were, you know, mentions there was a war and and they lost. So it's the first mention of like the the time war that we hear we hear more of as the the series goes on. The time war stuff's handled brilliantly, I think, just from 
from start to finish with the exception of maybe the finish like the way it all gets resolved in the 50th anniversary is a little i mean it's i think it's a little bit of an un- underwhelming but at the same time i think it's one of those things that have been hyped up and built up so much that whatever they did would have been a little underwhelming yeah but but here it's but here it's and you know it's it's well done i mean of course it's something he wouldn't want to talk about they had this well as you say the massive time war nobody really won by the sounds of it and the doctor lost basically everything so he he probably wouldn't want to talk about it much would he and then later on, of course, it's revealed that not only, not only did he lose everything, he's the one who caused it as well. It was yeah, relaxed. yeah. Um, I don't know if that's revealed in the Dalek episode or or a bit later on, but yeah, it makes him a more interesting character, doesn't it? As well, that he's had to he's had to make a horrible choice, basically. Yeah. One he one he felt he he, he had you know he had to make. Yeah. Well, that's basically just... the. The close the of the time, episode. The, the time war mythos is something that's great. I love all the little hints that yeah, are dropped it, towards it, it throughout the season, and you never really properly find out what happens, and you just sort of have to piece it together yourself, like a, like a legend or a mythos, in you yeah. know, in the real world almost. And at this point, we don't even know um, who the time war was against. I think you can pretty much have a, a good guess that it's the Daleks, but it's, you know, you don't really know at this juncture. They just call Start, it the time war. Started as a result of. Um, Genesis of the Daleks. If you've seen that story from the classic, that's what. Yeah. Time War when the Time Lord, which is ironic almost because it's the Time Lord who started it, and you would think normally it would be the Daleks who would start such a, a conflict. Well, they, well, the they sort of changed history by going back to stop the creation of the Daleks, didn't they? And obviously it it didn't quite work out as they had hoped. Absolutely not. Um, yeah, that's, that's the end of that episode. And what did you think of the episode overall? Uh, I'm not going to lie, I didn't have much to say on it as I did the last one. And I think thinking about each episode of season one, this is probably my least favourite. And I would say that it's it's not bad, like by any means, you, you have an enjoyable time watching it. I just think it's very paint-by-numbers, Doctor Who, without very little remarkable going on. And in fairness to it, being the second episode, paint by numbers, probably isn't a bad thing because you want to give the audience like this is what to expect each week. Yeah, but, I, I mean it's it's one of the weaker episodes, maybe from a, a sort of plot standpoint, with you know with what happens, but it introduces you to things like the the psychic paper and the TARDIS, you know, translating everything into English. So things like that are explained to you. It, introduces yeah. uh, the concept of the the time war so it's nice little you know by no means think i went i was thinking it's a terrible episode i just i just think it's very it's just if you, it is yeah what it is you, exactly what you would expect from an episode of doctor who without any twists or turns on yeah. this formula but you do i think you do need episodes like these in in uh in seasons and uh i think it works it, it's again it, yeah not the most intriguing episode but it, it works well for what it is yeah i agree with that all right brilliant well uh i think we're ready to wrap up any any do you want to pl- any twitter handles or anything you want to plug sean follow rogue opinions on twitter yeah, and Instagram at rogue underscore opinions for both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we have some loads of pods up 
we're going to have um, we've got oh, we've got a fight for the fallen pod up with uh, me and Scott. That's already up. Uh, Extreme rules with Jimmy and Nathan um, should be up. Uh, Two shows I have yet to as see. This, as this <laughs> as this is um, should be up before this as you listen, and also uh, it's got myself. Scott or myself, with either Nathan or Jimmy, will have to uh, review December, December to Dismember, which will be a lot of fun. So make sure you you tune in for those. <laughs> it won't trust me. <laughs> yes, it will. Sure, it might, it might. It'd be fun to listen to, but it won't be. It won't be fun for you to do. I promise. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. We're, we're, we're gonna look, whoever gets to do that is going to love every minute. All right, well, thanks for listening, and bye from me. Yep. Yeah.